This podcast is based exclusively on the real-life experiences of two bisexual cis women and their internet research. Sexual identity is deeply personal and influenced by intersecting identities, demographics, and circumstances. Rose and Annie do not speak for the bisexual experience of all individuals or the bisexual experience as a whole. In short, they don't know shit. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Rose, and I use the pronouns she and her. Oh, hi, I'm Annie, and I use the pronouns she and her as well. We're here to provide some context about the bisexual experience by sharing stories, getting advice, and talking about queer people that we like. Who we like, queer people who we we like. Yeah, it's definitely be who. Whom? Why don't we just say queer people we like? Queer people we like. Uh, So this week, uh, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about vocabulary and the words you use to describe yourself and other people and your sexuality and your gender. Yeah. Maybe. Not so much gender. Mostly words that surround bisexuality and you might not be familiar with. Yeah. I personally am like a word geek. Like when I'm reading something, I'll circle a word I don't know and then look it up. And I really like when an author finds, like, the perfect word. I feel like a lot of people are like, that's really douchey. You didn't have to find, like, that exact word when you could have said train. And instead you found the word that means, like, the 19th century train that only ran for 12 years. I don't know if that word exists. But I love that. I'm like, oh, you found the perfect word. What's your favorite word? salacious salacious what does it mean salacious is like i don't know the exact definition but it's basically like dripping with sexuality Ooh, salacious salacious and like kind of scandalous like it's also naughty scandalous and sexual yeah uh cool i'm the kind of person i'll be i'll be honest that I sometimes encounter a new word for, like, identifying one's sexuality, and I'm like, that's so silly. There doesn't need to be a new word for this. There's already something that's a close approximation, or, like, there's already an umbrella term, and it doesn't need to exist, this new word, because mm. already, there's already something like that. I, I literally have to stop myself and be like, hey, does this... Is this new word harming you in some way? Because when I when I go down that path of like, this new word is silly, it's always accompanied by a feeling of like anger or... Like, can't frust- you just use the other word? Yeah, frustration. But what it really is, I think, is fear that this new identity is somehow going to dilute my identity as a bisexual person or negated in some way I've I've worked hard to come to terms with my sexuality it's kind of been an ordeal for me I I I am afraid of it being less powerful and I have to stop myself and be like hey did anyone who identifies as this thing actually hurt you are they doing anything to you are they just trying to find love find reciprocal real love and or have consensual sex, and or live more authentically and be their authentic selves. Because if they're just trying to do that, 
then great no problem i mean like i am the asshole for standing in the way i i am part of the problem there's like a tiny conservative man living inside of me you have your tiny incel (laughs) i do i do i like ted cruz living deep Uh, inside of me being like that isn't valid i think it's the almost like a worry that other people are going to hear a another term that they don't understand and I feel like a a common reaction when somebody doesn't understand a term is like why can't they just use this word like why can't they just all be gay if they're not straight just everybody's gay and you're like oh if it's like one more word that my fucking uncle feels like he hears and doesn't understand and so he gets defensive and feels like it's all too much and it's too overwhelming, then that's one more brick in the wall between my uncle understanding me. There's one more brick in that wall of my uncle like walling me off and not understanding me. And it's upsetting and frustrating, but also not your problem if somebody's like, new words are frustrating and I can't keep up and I don't understand. Basically, I feel like everyone's functioning on fear. Like people are like afraid to identify with a new term afraid of like having your term diluted and then people who don't understand any of it are like I feel stupid and I haven't felt uncomfortable in a long time and now I feel like this is new territory yeah if you are just trying to find like a more nuanced version of the human experience I need to chill I need to chill on you so we we decided to do this episode after we had a conversation after our last recording about strength-based language. I went to the Brooklyn Queer Community Center during the volunteer training that I went to there. The moderator mentioned that they used to say that the queer center was a safe space and now they call it a brave space because... Even when you're there and when you're feeling like secure about yourself, you will be held accountable for your actions. It's not a safe space to do whatever you want, act however you want. You, you will be held accountable for your actions. But it is a place where you can be your authentic self um, and you don't have to hide, you know, your queerness or however you define it as a queer person I don't even know how to talk about queer people without using the word queer yeah should we I mean I feel like we could talk about that right now yeah so in our research in case you've listened to the first three episodes you'll know that Annie and I use queer as a pretty broad non-offensive umbrella term but the word queer has like a very troubling history and it's been reclaimed by some people but is also still very traumatic and upsetting to a lot of people. It also exists as an individual identity. So Annie and I tend to use, well, I don't want to speak for Annie. I feel we tend to use it in a similar way as kind of like if you were to constantly have to ramble off LGBTQIA+, and then someone's like, you forgot those three other letters, and you're like, fuck, okay, it's LGBT. (laughs) And obviously we're not the most articulate crew here. We stumble over that acronym all the time. So it's nice to have a single syllable queer to say, but I we get that it is not applicable to everybody and can be like real upsetting. Yeah, yeah, because it was used as a pejorative term for a long time. And that's kind of what I mean. 
if if a word has a connotation of like hurting people, I can see why you would shy away from it or you would be like, that's that's not a term that I like. Um, but if it's a term that you just don't like because you haven't heard of it before, it's 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 you. Yeah. It's you probably. Yeah. I think that's a difference. Um, I posted on Reddit asking like, what are your favorite terms that you learned when you became a part of the queer community? And one of the comments was like, well, queer is not necessarily applicable to everybody. Um, And they said, my advice with the word is to read the room, see how people use the word if they use it at all. Use it as it applies to each individual person and don't assume others also use the same term for the same thing. I think that's applicable to all identifying terminology. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sorry. I think we got a little bit off topic from your strength. (laughs) Strength Strength-based language. So the idea that when you are defining a community that has been um, historically oppressed that you're not referring to them as like poor the poor gays that have that have always suffered uh, my roommate's giving me the thumbs up cuz he like works on this all day it's a it's a way of talking about a person that like lifts them up and talk talks about their assets and what they bring to society and and not necessarily just like all the things that have gone wrong for them and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's the same type of um, work in a lot of, like, nonprofits. You want to also talk about, like, all of these people are completely capable, intelligent, talented. What are ways that we can give them self-reliance um, and resilience and let them have independence? Right, and again. Em- empower them to be brave rather than safe. I mean, they should also be safe, but that's, you know... safety's like a basic human right actually afforded by, like, global agreements. Yeah. So safe is kind of, and unfortunately, it's not the case in a lot of scenarios, but it should be a baseline. I am going to try and attempt to use a lot of strength-based language in this episode and in in more episodes. Because I, even as a member of this community, like, I end up talking about the queer community as if they are victims and it's not how I want to talk about my community all the time. The most important word that you might choose to use is your label. Yeah. A label is basically the word that you decide you're going to share with people and how you feel you most identify that makes you feel good at that present moment Mm -hmm. about your sexual orientation or your gender in some cases, like what kind of relationship you want to have. Obviously, there are more identities and labels than that. But in in this kind of sex and romance context, there's a lot of intersection. They're not exclusionary of each other. They can change throughout your life. You might think one term is perfect for you, and then you learn a new term, and you're like, whoa, blew my mind. My That's mind. so much more me. And all of that's cool because it's something you're choosing for yourself and deciding what feels right in the moment. And you are also fine if you don't want to choose any of the labels that exist. And Rose mentioned that generally labels have to do with your sexuality and gender. Sexuality and gender, in the context that Rose and I are talking about them, they are two different things. One's sexuality tends to be 
who they are attracted to or, or not attracted to. And one's gender is kind of how they identify in a male, female, or non-gender conforming way. Gender's tough because it's so caught in a binary that it's hard to even, how do I even say this? How, how you present yourself to society regardless of like what sex you were assigned at birth. So if you were assigned female at birth or assigned male at birth, and you present or identify in a way that is not in line with what somebody might stereotypically think of. Um, And it's not like, oh, she's a tomboy. It's like you don't feel like you identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth. Right. You You don't define yourself like that. Yeah. And you're brave as fuck for being like, I'm not gonna. And often sexuality is is socially dictated by your gender. When you're a woman, people assume that you're going to be attracted to men. When you're a man, people assume you're going to be attracted to women. Um, but luckily, we're slowly moving away from that. I hope, a little by a little, we're, we're letting people like and love and be attracted to who they want. So this is actually one of my favorite words that I learned when I started to kind of like dive into the LGBT forums on the internet it's um cum set cum set comp set comp set i I don't know you said cum set no (laughs) no okay i don't know how to say it comp set it stands okay well first of all the first time i read it so i was like is this like a secret society it's like the cia mi6 of the queer community this is sick it's not it's compulsory heterosexuality so the idea that if you are uh, assigned female you will like boys and if you are assigned male you will like girls and there's not really any room for gray area or in between because that's what it is Uh, so it's all kind of tied up together and even when I think I can speak for Rose and I even when we were growing up there was just a binary within homosexual and heterosexual there's very little discussion of like anything outside those two options so you're either a man or a woman and then you're either homosexual or heterosexual maybe you heard about bisexuality but you internalized a lot of biphobia (laughs) i think is it safe to say that now we're moving a more the rest of our conversation is more focused on sexual orientation rather than gender yes definitely yeah it it would be weird for us to I think talk deeply about the transgender experience because we have no experience we're super cis y'all yeah (laughs) cisgender that's um another good term great we're not we're not going to talk about gender but if you're unfamiliar with the term cisgender that's just what Rose was just talking about you identify as the gender that was assigned to you at, at birth now talking pretty much exclusively about sexuality. Rose, what is sexuality? <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay, right. how have we traditionally defined sexuality? So a traditional view of sexuality probably falls in, like, an old school view. Falls into those ideas. Um, it definitely involves being attracted to somebody physically, being attracted to somebody romantically, 
And in a dated view, it would be like, what gender do they identify as? So you you have some notes in here that I want to touch on really quickly. But for a while, people were like, okay, sexuality isn't just being attracted to men or women. There's a spectrum. And some people are, you know, on this scale that I think would be referred to in most circles as the Kinsey scale. Yes. Um, where, you know, you're a zero through six, zero being attracted only to people of the opposite sex, six being only attracted to people of the same sex, three being attracted to the opposite sex and the same sex equally. That that was the model that a lot of sexual sexuality studies were based on for a long time. And it's kind of changed now. Yeah, so I think for people who don't know, uh, Alfred Kinsey was one of the first people to do extensive scientific research on sexuality in America in 1947. I don't know much, but I've read that he was probably not very ethical about it. I think that probably makes sense. He, But he was one of the first people to kind of like collect and ask people, have you had homosexual experiences um, in an anonymous way? So he developed the scale which Annie's talking about as kind of being the more traditional spectrum that people fall on there are I didn't know this at all I was like the Kinsey scale is the scale that people use and nobody's updated it since (laughs) there's more than 200 different scales that people use to measure sexual orientation Klein sexual orientation grid adds in time as a factor storm scale plots eroticism on an xy axis I can't tell you what either of those things mean in a like, well, where do I fall on them? Or what's my number or my quadrant or whatever, however they use it. But I think that kind of ties in acknowledging that it's more than just I'm attracted to A or I'm attracted to B and I have to fit into one of these numbers in between if I don't feel 100% either of those ways. So that kind of gets into the fluidity One of the definitions that I read for fluidity is a more current and inclusive term which speaks to individuals' sexual orientation that is open, changing, and not gender binary based. May lean more heavily towards one gender while open to all genders. For me, that doesn't feel like a right fit because I feel like bisexuality covers that. Fluid being that you would change throughout your life. Right. Um, So you're not always going to be 100% attracted to women and you're not always going to be 100% attracted to men. No, I agree. (laughs) I think that the way I think of it is under the like ways that we've thought about sexuality a long time ago, not that long ago, it was really not that long ago, we used to think sexuality was a binary. It was just homosexuality or heterosexuality. Then we were like, oh, there's actually a spectrum where you can be... You can be a three or of, a four. One of six things. <laughs> so much diversity. Thank you. And now we're like, oh, sexuality changes based on how old you are and what your environment is and... Who you're around. Who you're and- around. And it's... it's it's uh, the, the definition that I came across that I actually really liked is from Lisa Diamond, Ph.D., professor of psychology and gender studies at the University of Utah. Uh, She said, I define sexual fluidity as a capacity 
for a change in sexual attraction depending on changes in situational or environmental or relationship conditions. Just like the ability to change based on other things changing. No, it's less it's more about like the conditions of your life and you as a person and less about like, well, we didn't give you enough options clearly. So here's fluid. Right. Yeah. It makes me wonder what like one day everyone will be like, oh, fluidity was such a constraining concept. Yeah. Like sexuality is much more like a moon or something. Oh, it's a hot air balloon hot on air balloon. the moon. Obviously. And how that relates with gravity and it depends what phase of the moon you're in and how far you are from the earth. Is it an eclipse? It's like there's a ton going on. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll be right. It'll be way it'll be a way better way of thinking about it. Yeah, they like it'll be a way better way that like more people are like, "Oh, I feel seen. That is where I'm at." Yeah. I think one thing that I would like to bring up right now, people assume bisexuality means you're 50% attracted to men and 50% attracted to women and like, "Oh no, we've just been trans-exclusionary." That's great for people who feel like they have a solid grasp of like what what genders they are interested in to what percentage for me I'm kind of like I don't know it's like strictly based on the person yeah if you don't have a percentage rate I don't I have no idea I I couldn't even begin to quantify that completely situational if you do have a breakdown it's totally fine good for you good for you I have not done the spreadsheet so I don't know I'm not making fun of you. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. If you have a percentage, it's totally great. Yeah. And the percentage is not based on the romantic and sexual experiences that you've had. It's based on your attraction. And I do think that I'm like, if I had to give a breakdown right now, I'd be like, I'm like 95% attracted to women and 5% men, but only because like I'm in love with my girlfriend (laughs) and most attracted to her out of all of the people I see on the street. And then occasionally like a hot girl or hot guy walks by and I'm like, okay, that's all right. That's the 10% of the time that I'm not (laughs) thinking about my girlfriend. So that's a breakdown of sexuality and, and maybe some language to think about, um, sexuality, some good background background. Um, now getting into words you would use to describe your, sexual identity I use queer as an umbrella term some people don't like it we already touched on that but within the queer umbrella I would say that there's a main breakdown for me personally because I'm coming at this as a bisexual a bisexual (laughs) there's a breakdown between uh, monosexual and bisexual or Anything that's um, not monosexual. Not There's monosexual. monosexual and not monosexual. <laughs> right. I, I would call it bisexual. I know some pan people are okay with being put under the bi umbrella. Some are not. Uh, then that's good. That's fine. Um, but monosexuality is the opposite of bisexuality, pansexuality, and many, but not all of the words that we're going to mention. If you're monosexual, you can be either hetero or homosexual. It just means that you're attracted to one gender and one gender only. These are the zeros and the sixes if we're going with our <laughs> Kinsey scale. Our robust options on the Kinsey scale. Yeah, being romantically or sexually attracted to members of one sex or gender only. That's monosexual. 
Some non-monosexual identifying words are bisexual. That's us. There are lots of definitions of bisexual. My favorite that I came across from a website that I visited (laughs) today was a bisexual person is someone who can be attracted to more than one gender. And I feel it's important here to point out, once again, you can be trans and bi. You can be cis and bi. You can also be bisexual and be attracted to people who aren't members of the gender binary and people who are trans. It is not exclusive. exclusive. I think a lot of people get tripped up by like your old school Latin, whatever language you took where you were like, bi is too. Yeah. Within bisexuality. Okay, so we're in this Venn diagram. We've now zoomed into bisexuality and we're talking about that. So within bisexuality, there's its own set of terms uh, for how you can speak about it. So one of the terms, I only heard this a couple of weeks ago, but homoflexible and heteroflexible. Mm-hmm. So Annie also added, which I've n- never heard this, but lesbiflexible. Which is kind of like let's be flexible. Let's be it's flexible. cool. We don't have that. Have to have an itinerary. Yeah. Sounds very fun. But basically, it's that you are primarily attracted to one gender, but sometimes you'll be more attracted to other genders. Yeah, yeah. You're open to other occasionally. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's the like I'm Cassandra sexual, <laughs> and then uh, bi flexible. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would act on it. I'm also monogamous. Uh, but I think that's like, that's people who kind of would say they're the 95-5 breakdown or a 90-10 breakdown right, percentage right. wise. Sometimes the mood strikes. Yeah. There's also biromantic versus bisexual. So this is like, if you follow our Ask LGBT, which is a subreddit for, this is also. A subreddit, you just say R, and then the name of the subreddit. <laughs> Not related to sexuality. Not related to sexuality, just another interesting vocab term. But if you follow that subreddit, you'll see people are constantly asking, like, I am only sexually attracted to the same gender, but I can't imagine ever being with them. Like, I'm not interested in having a relationship with somebody. Um, and that would be sexual, not romantic. So... That's an added breakdown if you have those types of nuances. You can say, I'm pretty hetero-romantic, but I'm bisexual because I would be interested in having sex with all types of genders, but I only want to be in a romantic relationship with the opposite gender, um, or it can go the other way. So this just, it's like an added level to give you some nuance. Nuance, baby. There's also our great and powerful biphobia, partners with internalized biphobia, so I'm sure you've heard of homophobia. <laughs> now try biphobia. Biphobia. You liked homophobia. How about biphobia? <laughs> Can I interest you in some biphobia? Wait till you try transphobia. <laughs> oh my god. Really turn it up. Oh gosh. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> so it's exactly what you think. People who hate bi people for no fucking reason. Yeah, uh, important to note, a lot of biphobia comes from inside the queer community, which ain't great. People are biphobic because 
Negative bisexual stereotypes have been prolific throughout all of our media. The only time bisexuality is discussed, it's like, quote unquote, a stepping stone to being gay. Yeah. I believe Sex in the City called it a layover to gay town oh, in their... Oh boy. Not strength-based language. Not strength-based language. But so people who have a misunderstanding and a misconception often based on like not knowing that people are bi or only having media to tell them about bi people. And a lot of that is because of bi erasure that you look at who somebody's dating and you assume you know their sexuality to be either homosexual or heterosexual instead of acknowledging the whole breadth of options in between. So the really fun thing is that biophobia can be internalized. So that's you growing up, consuming all of these compulsory heteronormative things and only getting negative points of view about bisexuality. Yeah, and and if you're like me, just getting really, really frustrated that you don't seem to fit in either the gay or lesbian category or the straight category and like taking some of that out on yourself. Yeah. You're like, why can't I just figure it out? Yeah. And I think this is actually, so this one I think is like kind of cute. It's the bicycle. I thought this was a joke when I saw it in the notes. Oh, (laughs) not a joke. Well, I did put LOL next to it. I'm sure there's, I should have looked up. I'm sure there's like a legitimate like sexuality research term for this, but all the kids in the bisexual subreddit call it the bicycle because they're good at marketing. <laughs> and it's basically the like losing your balance in your sexuality when you're like, I've only been feeling attracted to women. Am I still bi? It sounds like I might just be a lesbian. Like, okay, why did I ever think I was bi? And then like, a mega hottie who's not a woman walks by and you're like, God damn, like the bicycle, you, you lean one way and then you're like, whoa, whoa, I'm, I have been misidentifying. And then all of a sudden you're rocked and you lean the other way and you're kind of like balancing on this Uh bicycle. This is the new metaphor for sexuality. It's not a spectrum. It's not a fluid it's a vehicle. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the those are some terms that kind of fall under bisexuality. Some other terms that for some people fall under bisexuality and for some people are independent of it, which is totally fine, are pansexual. According to GLAD, being bisexual means being attracted to more than one gender. Being pansexual means being attracted to all gender identities or attracted to people regardless of their gender. So pansexual sometimes falls under bisexuality. Um, I'm going to quote a Twitter user that an article by Bustle also quoted because it's very well written. Revanathame at R-E-V-A-N-A-T-H-A-M-E tweeted, um, I am pansexual but often use the umbrella term bisexual to be more inclusive and also show that bisexuality does not exclude people based on gender since I am transgender myself. And so are a lot of other bisexuals or people who identify as such. So some people think bisexuality is too restrictive and they use they prefer to use pan. Some people think that pan is like part of the bi experience. Both are fine. Uh, some people might be like, well, why do we use bisexual instead of pansexual? Um, the easiest answer is because that's what we could come up with a good pun for for this podcast. <laughs> There's also a lot of good pan puns. Actually, Fuck, was, you're right. it was funny when I was researching this episode, I just typed pan into Google. 
And I was like, what's up with all this dishware? Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, why is this happening? Uh, obviously, just kidding. It's personal reasons that you pick it. For me, it's that like pansexual came about far later in my life. Yeah, I knew about bisexuality when I was becoming accepting of my sexuality. I didn't know about pansexuality. If I did, I would probably identify as pans. Um, I also wanted to talk about omnisexuality, which I also talked about as being a new discovery for me and me having that like instant Mitch McConnell reaction to of like that's not real. But a real knee jerk. Yeah. Oh, so good, Rose. What a good thank joke. You, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, omnisexual, um, like pansexual, could fit under the umbrella of bisexuality. It could be its own thing. Some people find that bisexuality is not nuanced enough. Some people found that pansexuality is not nuanced enough. Omnisexual, according to an article I found in Quartz, is similar to pansexual, but actively attracted to all genders rather than gender blind. So pansexuality kind of says, I'm attracted to everyone despite gender or regardless of gender. Omnisexuality says, I am attracted to everybody Including whatever their gender identity is, yeah, partially I, because of that. I like their gender. So a few important notes about bisexuality specifically. I think it's important to say that there is a common misconception that all bisexuals are polyamorous and non-monogamous. And that's not true. Not that there's anything wrong with being polyamorous or non-monogamous. And I think it becomes frustrating when people don't want to get into a relationship with you because they think you can't be monogamous or you're on a dating site and you're talking to somebody and they're like oh saw that you were bi also I'm gonna be bringing my partner are you down and you're like no because and also if you are a couple who is looking for a third by all means go for it but be upfront about it put it in your profile I'm talking about people who are like oh I'm really hitting it off with this girl things are going really great oh wait why is she saying that she's gonna be bringing her boyfriend when we meet up to see if there's chemistry oh I've just been like catfished I also another issue that irks me about this is I also frequent the bisexual and bisexual adult subreddits which are great a lot of the time but there are often asks from someone who is in a relationship with a bisexual person and they're like my partner just told me that they are bisexual and I'm afraid they're gonna cheat on me you can't you can't do that if you weren't afraid they were gonna cheat on you when you thought that they were straight or homosexual you shouldn't be afraid that they're gonna cheat on you just because they've told you a little bit more about themselves right yeah Oh, do you want to talk about pride flags? Oh, yeah. There are lots and lots and lots of flags beyond just the rainbow flag. It's really kind of cool because to me, these are visual vocabularies. So they're ways to signal kind of like a secret club where, (laughs) you know, when you see somebody who has like a sticker from your favorite podcast or comic and you're like, oh, fuck, you know that? I know that. It's a way of signaling to somebody like, I'm a part of this smaller segmented community within the queer community. Um, So this article that I found is from Pink News, and we are linking to all of our references in the show notes. Good point. There's the trans pride flag. Um, There's ones I've never even seen, like 
This one is a progress flag. So it's the more commonly known rainbow flag. And then with kind of arrows coming in on the side for trans and um, there's a brown and a black stripe for like people of color. So that's a nod to people of color being consistently left out of the LGBTQIA plus community and a way to kind of like bring awareness that they are involved. There's so many flags. It's really cool. The intersex pride flag looks like a really dope superhero. God, it does. Um, yeah, they're just like pansexual pride flag is vibrant as hell. Love it. Um, they're really, really cool. I definitely suggest checking it out. I like polyamorous pride flag has the symbol for pie on it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerds. There's one for if you're like, I'm trying to get a bracelet or a pin or a flag that I can kind of like sup, show people. It's really cool. You'll probably find something that you're like, that's 100% what I want. Yeah. So I hope these definitions have illuminated things. I really want to reiterate my attempt at strength-based language, which is these labels are not meant to exclude people. They are meant to provide nuance to the human experience. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd like to stress that your label is not permanent. You don't say to someone or to yourself that you're one thing and then you can never change. You're always allowed to change. You're allowed to intersect and overlap and combine. It's cool to have fun with it. Like, explore what feels right, learn about new terms, and see, like, what nuance can you add to your identity to better express yourself and live your authentic life. Hell yeah. We got a few very cool notes over the last week or so. I was very moved by the note we got from Holly. Yeah. I don't think we should read it. If you don't want us to read your letter, just drop that in there. We won't read it. If you want us to, we won't ever use your last name. <laughs> if you want us to use a fake name, include your fake name. Yeah, that said, shout out to Holly. We see you. Your story is awesome. Uh, we got a letter from Dylan, uh, who says, I'm a huge fan of the show. More than Cassandra? I don't think that's something that you could quantify, but um, he thinks maybe he'd like to do a competition where he proves that he's more of a fan. Dylan happens to be someone who has dated and is currently dating a bisexual person he has some advice for people who are uncomfortable dating bisexual people he says i'll just read it from exactly what he says if someone says they won't date you because you're bi i would ask them what makes them uncomfortable i bet many people who feel this way are scared to face their own potential attractions and are projecting if you can be kind and understanding maybe that will help them accept themselves you might not be the one to reach them and they might still be a dick to you but if you treat them with respect and kindness, maybe they will remember that and maybe it will affect them later. I love that. I think it's true. I mean, honestly, this is my move because I love being like, you're going to look back and be like, oh, fuck, I was such a dick and they were so chill. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Well, it's great to have the moral high ground. It feels great. It feels <laughs> amazing. And honestly, it might help somebody get there. Like you getting mad at them, they're just going to be like, well, I can't help the way that I feel. Yeah. And they're never going to, it's going to, it's going to not never, but it's going to create a negative association with it, which is going to make them not want to do it again. Um, I do think there's some value in adding, 
our friend who said that she doesn't swipe on men who list bisexuality in their dating profiles texted us and said, I would like to continue talking about biphobia from hetero females towards bisexual men. It's real and it sucks real bad. I've done a lot of thinking about it since your last episode and started several conversations about it with other friends to challenge views and thoughts like mine was. Hell yeah. Proud of her. Which is awesome. So if you don't want to write us, which is okay, <laughs> you can have a conversation with your friends. Yeah. Bring it up. Do you want to do weekly bylights? Let's do our bylights. Bylights. Do 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 do. Bye. Bylights. Uh, recent news about bisexuals. Disney star Joshua Rush came out last week as bi. I am old. Also, don't know who this is, I but Saul. Do not know who this is. But it's cool. I'm glad he did it. It seems like this is this is important for folks who grew up watching the show he was on, which I think is called Andy Mack. But good for Joshua Rush. Good for Joshua Rush. I guess his character in the show had like a coming out narrative in the show, and then he did this coming out as bisexual in real life. Um, he He had a bunch of very cool tweets about it. One of them was, I have so many bi jokes that I've been waiting to drop. This is so exciting, which like really is, I mean, it's cool to be your your authentic self, but the best part is making jokes. (laughs) You get to be joyous and spread laughter. Yeah. My weekly bi light is that you may have heard of this show, Orange is the New Black. It's on Netflix. It was one of their first major streaming shows. The main character uh, has been sexual and romantic with both men and women. And that's from the very first scene. The first five minutes is her taking a shower with a woman and then later taking a shower with her male fiance. Events transpire from there. Um, That would be like the worst description of the show. That's not (laughs) what the show is about at all. I don't want to mislead you. It's about females in prison. It's not about bisexuality. In fact, they did not say the word bisexual or label the primary character as bisexual until... Recently, they just released their final season streaming. Episode 89, (laughs) Piper's mom calls her a lesbian and then corrects herself and says, oh, bisexual. I felt like I'm on the bicycle for this, Uh where I'm like, on one side, I think it's kind of cool to not label your primary character and just be like, you guys are smart. You can figure this out. She's sexual and romantic with both men and women. Great. On the other hand, I think it's a huge platform and a huge opportunity to showcase a bisexual character and to say, this character is bisexual. Now we're going to get into all the other shit that's happening. I guess this is a great transition into my Bising Star. Please. Um, So in case you don't know, Bising Stars, we highlight uh, cool content creators who are also bisexual Um, or queer or somewhere in the middle. I picked mm-hmm. Stephanie Beatrice, um, and she plays Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who is an out, fully declared bisexual character. Um, so if you look online, you can see the quick YouTube videos. I haven't watched the whole series. I've watched several seasons. But you can see that she has a coming out process. Uh, I think it's presumed that she's straight throughout the whole series, and then she starts to date a woman. And then she's a very gruff character, so she's very, like, not about people knowing her business. Um, So it's interesting to kind of see her, like, own that. 
Uh, and she's played by Stephanie Beatrice, who is a bisexual woman. I have seen all of the episodes of that show because I have a huge crush on her and a huge crush on Andy Samberg. <laughs> Annie did send me a video with Andy Samberg earlier this week <laughs> making out with Seth Rogen. Yeah, who I almost. also love. Nearly. They almost kiss. It's a sketch. Yeah. Um, fast and by curious, in case you guys were wondering. It was really funny. Check that out. It's, it's an old Saturday Night Live sketch. Also, I jumped over this bullet point. Do people say by curious anymore? I it it's so it smacks of like nineties and early aughts so much for me. Like just say bye. Just, just say bye. Yeah. Please. I feel like bye because it's. I mean, I don't want to shit on anyone. If you really identify as bi curious, that's fine. Is I I feel like bi curious is when like you're like a detective and you're like, could this be something I might be interested in? <laughs> but I feel like if you're asking yourself. You're probably not a zero or a six. Yeah. Love, love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So funny. The cops have not always been a friend to the queer community, but it is a very funny show, and it does talk about that history a little bit, which I appreciate. My Bising Star for this week is... Actually, it's a book. It's not explicitly named in the book, but it, it does have character who is attracted to both men and women uh, and sleeps with both men and women it's called how to be both by Allie smith it's like half about this renaissance painter and then half about this um, daughter of a journalist and internet activist it's more about grieving the loss of a mother which i thought would be apropos after last week's episode but it is also about bisexuality and, and queerness, and it's a very lovely book, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it goes under a long list of books that I've enjoyed about people who, about women who uh, assume a male identity for a brief period, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is just a trope that I think is very fun. We also have a call for advice where we ask you, the listener, to email us at hellogoodbyes42069 at gmail.com and give us advice about something we do not know about. Um, I guess I read the Bustle article about being blank, flexible, heteroflexible, homoflexible, what have you, and I wanted to know if you prefer to say that you're heteroflexible or homoflexible, do you also say that you're bi or do you just say that? It's a good question. I'd like <laughs> to hear from the people who have that identity. Yeah. So if you identify as blank, flexible, but not bi, why is that? And I would like to know uh, how you handle being mislabeled. If you have a family member who constantly misidentifies you, do you correct them every time or are you just at a certain point like, fuck, I can't do like sure whatever i am who i am i know who i am you go do your thing yeah anymore where are the lines why are we not yeah great question thank you shall we wrap it up (sighs) i think that's it yeah okay goodbye from from the the goodbyes nailed it (laughs) yes we're on fire we never get that we never get that (laughs) Wow, wow, wow.